Sister, sister, there were never such devoted sisters. Never had to have a chaperone, no sir. I'm here to keep my eye on her. Hi, this is Tammy, and Angela, unfortunately, cannot be with us today. Today, I have Allison and Kelly with me, and we are going to be discussing suicide and suicide awareness and prevention. So before we go any further, if anyone has any feelings at this point that need to be addressed, please stop listening to this episode. Please dial 988 or text 988, which is the National Suicide Hotline. All right, with that said, welcome, Allison. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Tammy. Thanks for having me on. Yes, no problem. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hi, Tammy. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on also. Allison, I'm going to start with you. If you could introduce yourself to us and what you would like to discuss. Right. Thank you. You know, I'm going back and forth in my mind. Do I want to start with my story or my my training first? So I'm going to land on my training. Um, I'm a certified internal family systems practitioner. I'm going to shorten it to IFS. For purposes of this conversation, what that is, it's a lens, a modality, way of looking at life that provides for welcoming of all of us, all that we bring to ourselves, to other people. Dr. Schwartz kind of came up with this model in the 80s. He has a PhD in external family systems. And what he found was the same principles apply to our internal world as to the external world, meaning that we have parts of us that hold different stories, different beliefs. They, they respond to life and hold, if you have trauma, they respond to life in that way. They, they develop parts of them to hold the pain, including parts that hold the wish to die. That's briefly my background. So I come to this conversation with an abuse background. I have those parts of me that held that pain. And for them, their desire was for me to end my life because that was a way for me to be out of my pain. That was their best strategy that they could come up with and understanding how to deal with the pain that I held. Um, I also had my nephew die beside in 2002. So I have uh, both a lived experience of having those parts of me that wanted to, to die and also have a family member who ended his life in that way. So I have this perspective of what it feels like to hold that type of pain, to live in that place, and also to have the pain and the grief that comes from losing a family member um, as they um, complete their, their life by suicide. Um, I found with that particular type of grief to be the hardest I think I've ever gone through and walked through. There's a sense of shame. There's what did I do wrong? Um, failure. Was my love not good enough? Anger. It brings with this whole other level of, of grief uh, that is so hard to walk through. I do remember my brother and I, um, after Josh died, we really committed to grieving his death, his life, because he was worth it. And that's really where I became comfortable with grief. I realized the wisdom that it brings 
to celebrate, to walk through that grief, to not be afraid of the pain of it, because you do, you do enlarge your heart. You don't ever get over it. Don't ever get over the loss of someone. But you do. Your heart gets bigger. Your life grows in a way that incorporates your new reality. Um, for me, it was before Josh died and after he died. There was this. There was this shift in my life experience. It, there was a huge shift in how I parented. I have two boys. They were 13 and 11 and a half at the time. Completely changed how I parented. Um, not necessarily for the good, and sometimes for the good. You know, it's that mixed bag of, of being a parent. But there was a lot of fear. I brought a lot of fear to my parenting after that experience. Excellent. I know that that is, is hard to discuss, but I do want to point out something very important that you, that you put in there is honoring people, honoring their mm -hmm. life so that you can, those of us who are still living can move past that and past that experience to the point where we can continue and we can honor the person mm -hmm. and, and their life. And I'm going to get back to you a little bit in a minute because I want to talk more about the IFS side and, you know, those parts of us that we make that hold various traumas that we don't actually realize are happening. So um, I want to come back to that in just a moment. But before we do that, Kelly, I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us your experience. Mm -hmm. Um, just honoring also Allison for sharing your story. So thank you. My name is Kelly. I am the founder of BCC Evolution, which is a mental health and suicide awareness nonprofit. I started this in 2018 after I lost my middle sister to completed suicide, uh, February 20th, 2017. And for me, I just really didn't understand what she was going through. She had attempted suicide six other times. And there was about a five-year break, I guess you could call, in between the last attempt that our family knew up until the point that she actually completed. And going through attempt after attempt most of the times they were more of a cry for help because she would pick up the phone and call me uh there was one time that we got in a fight and then she called me and she's like you're a great mom take care of my kids etc cetera, etc cetera. and i knew that moment hang up the phone call 911 get somebody over to my sister wherever she's at and then they'd put her on a 72-hour hold and this was a repetitive cycle that happened and really was a cry for help. But our family didn't know how to address it other than put her into like she went into a mental health facility for about a week and a half. It felt like she just told them what they needed to hear and they released her. And this was kind of the cycle that we went through up until she actually had a botched hysterectomy, which almost took her life. And for once, it felt like she finally wanted to be alive. She had to have an ileostomy bag, and it just seemed like there was a sense of life that happened. That's why there was this five-year gap in between the last attempt that we knew up until the point that she had completed. 
Although for me, I think I just shut off my emotions because I didn't truly understand what was going on. And I had a new baby. I had to take care of myself and going through or being not necessarily a caregiver, but that's the word that pops into my head of somebody who is struggling with a mental health challenge and continually has suicidal ideations. It was really challenging for myself and my whole family. Now that I look back in retrospect, I see her unraveling because I have gained so many tools, so many resources, so much knowledge over the past five and a half years that I can look at it through a different lens, which is pretty empowering in a way and has definitely helped my healing journey. But I see her unraveling and those were the things I didn't know about. And so that's where BCC Evolution comes in, is we educate people to understand the signs, the symptoms, how somebody presents or what they're going through, how you can actually talk to them and have an open, honest conversation. Because what I have found is that a mental health challenge, whether it's a moment or a lifetime, leads people to complete the act of suicide. And I know we're saying the word completed, so I want to just share a little bit about that right now. Really in the world of mental health, we're trying to shift the verbiage around how we talk about suicide. And instead of saying committed, which really indicates that you're committing a crime, we want to use the verbiage of completed or died by suicide because in today's society, it is not a crime that you could, that they punish for. However, in the in the 1700s when it was uh first originated it was a crime to uh die by suicide and now it's not so that's why we're really trying to shift the verbiage and it also breaks down that stigma so over the past five and a half years i really have just gained a ton of resources a ton of knowledge um, I have educated myself in multiple different areas of mental health in um in brain health, so many different things, so that I can give back to the community through education, through our classes and through our events and everything that we do. Excellent, thank you so much, Kelly. Um, I want to appreciate again, both of you for sharing your stories because I know they're difficult and I appreciate both of you for being here. So, Allison, I want to go back to IFS. I want to go back to the idea because I think none of us understand that we have different parts of our personality. And I think there's a stigma, as, as Kelly was talking about stigmas. I think there's a stigma to acknowledging that we have different parts of our personality. It almost sounds like we have um, DID dissociative identity right. disorder, right. which is not what you're talking about. You're talking about the fact that the human body and the human mind has an amazing capacity to protect itself from different things. And so if you could talk a little bit more about that from an IFS perspective and, and what, what that actually means. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, there is such a fear about DID. Right. Because when I when I talk about people's parts, I'm like, what? But so if you think about it, um, if you go throughout your day, you kind of have these conversations with yourself all the time. Have you all noticed that where I'm going to go to the store and maybe I want to buy some ice cream, chocolate ice cream. And I 
parts of me that are like, oh, yeah, let's go get chocolate ice cream. Other parts are like, yeah, do we really want ice cream? Tammy says sugar is not good. So do we really want ice cream? Now, Tammy so doesn't say sugar is not good. I know you don't. I know. I was Tammy to says to excess so, sugar is um, not good. <laughs> A ton of excess sugar. Uh, right, right. Um, and I kind of liken the idea of you have like this one body in front of you, but your body is made up of different parts right? That have different jobs. They do different things for you, but it all creates this one body. So is the mind. The mind has different parts, different personalities, if you will, that show up in different ways and kind of help you move through life. Also what, what Dick Schwartz discovered with IFS, um, that when he would talk to clients, especially those clients who had high trauma, um, they also would reference this other part of them that could just show up with this genuine curiosity or this compassion or and just be this truly um, leader and kind of hold their story together. And, and he's like, so what part of you is that? And he said, that's not, they said, that's not a part of me. That's the self of me. That's the true essence of me. And as he got curious with those, with that part, that self, he realized that that was the essence, the divine, that um, Christian spiritual verbiage, it's the soul or the chi or that energy that we all have that has not been damaged with, through life that truly can be a leader. It can hold the story, it can hold the pain and it can help heal those parts of us that hold the trauma that we have. We're humans. We all have trauma. We all have things that have hurt us. Severe trauma creates more severe parts. Suicide ideation is one of the extreme parts that typically are in response to a, a great hurt that was experienced in life. So if you come at it through that lens, like for myself, I don't have those parts anymore because they have been able to I've listened to their story. They don't longer have to show up in that way because the pain is no longer there that was driving their belief that I needed to die. So now as I sit with clients, I see one-on-one -on -one clients who have those parts of them. I know that it is a part of them. So number one, I'm not coming in afraid. I'm not stupid. I'm mindful, I ask, are you actively wanting to take to um, attempt to take your life? So I have that, that tool in place as well. But I have found that for the most part, if I show up with curiosity and I show up with a welcoming, you are welcome in this space, tell me about yourself. Tell me your story. Why do you feel like this person needs to die? And 100% of the time, it's that the pain that other parts of them are holding are too great. That is truly the only way they know how to survive. So if you allow that story to be told, if you allow it to be held in a place of love and acceptance, then in IFS verbiage, those parts of you, the energy behind them can relax back. The self of the person or my own self can come in, hold their story, hold their pain, what would you rather do if you didn't have to hold the story? What other job would you rather do? Um, what, how else would you like to show up in a way that's helpful? So for me, for my parts that held that wish that, that I would die, they actually get to show up with genuine joy. They bring life to me. They're, um, they actually bring life. The, the switch is that they want to live. They want to show up in this way. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it always works, right? Because it doesn't. 
it doesn't always work and I'm aware of that. But, but for me, it is a really non-pathologizing way. I, I really appreciate, Kelly, what you said about the stigma of, of, of suicide and committed suicide. I love that completed by suicide or died by suicide. That's so much more respectful because sometimes the pain truly is too big. As for my nephew, and it sounds like your sister. And that's the reality of it. But I also know from dealing with my own story of pretty severe abuse, client stories that it can change. You can offer genuine hope. There is a self in you that can handle whatever pain you have. There are people around that can hold that space for you until you can't hold it for yourself. So there, that's just another option. It's another way of approaching this, this subject, which is really scary for most, most of us. Um, it really is. It's it's very serious. It but is. But it is part of you. It is not the whole of you. It is a part of you. And I've heard you, Allison, use terms before like brief befriending yeah. the parts of yourself. Which mm-hmm. I like that because mm-hmm. not only are you acknowledging that they're there and with mm-hmm. someone that you can talk to. Um, whether it is you with IFS or it's Kelly at BCC Evolution, not only are you acknowledging, but you are befriending, which to me means accepting that part of you because you don't befriend a person unless you accept that person. And so you're actively accepting that part of you and you're actively allowing other people to accept that part of you. And I think that's a huge switch in my lifetime, definitely, mm-hmm. of the way that we have thought about suicide and suicidal right. ideations is, right. you know, for a long time, it was ignore, push it away, deal with it. But that doesn't work. And so befriending that and understanding it in yourself, accepting right. it in yourself, allowing right. someone else to accept it in you is it's incredibly vulnerable for the person, but can be incredibly healing for that person as well. And I think that's important, which Kelly, I would like to go back to you because you've, you say, you know, you need to talk about this. So that's along that, that same line of let's get it out there. Let's accept that we are human. We are not perfect. These are things that occur. I actually love this conversation. So I am also a master practitioner in neuro-linguistic programming, and I also just got my training and consulting certification for it. And we have a process that call, is called parts integration. So I, when you originally said that word, I was like, what is this, this thing that she's talking about, the I, IF, IFS? And now I know that it's very similar to what we do. And that's so amazing because it is, I mean, we have different parts of us that we can even integrate together. We can take the bad with the good and integrate them together so that they are whole, which is really cool. And I love that you do that. So I love the conversation that you're having also. (laughs) Um, Back to Tammy, your question, conversation, I, in my life, it just wasn't a conversation that we had. 
I know even with my sister, I called her my crazy sister and I called her over dramatic. Those were the words that I use more often than I should have. But it was because I really truly didn't understand, nor did I care to understand at that point. And what I have learned and found is that I was really a person that didn't like have like having hard conversations. It just felt really gross to me and you know, I, like uh, uncomfortable yeah. as it does with everybody, right? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and yeah. that that was my biggest problem is I, I was not confrontational. I just went with the flow. I didn't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. I've always been a helper and that was the story that I told myself. But what I've learned is that having hard conversations is more important than anything that we do. Because if you're not going to ask the question, then who is? And if nobody does, then we're going to lose more lives to suicide. And the question that I train at least is, are you going to kill yourself or are you thinking about suicide? And those sound really direct and they are. And that's the point. We need mm -hmm. to ask the direct questions. There's no beating around the bush. Bush, Like, are you gonna harm yourself? That's different. That's very different when you say harm or hurt versus suicide or kill. And for me, that wouldn't be a question that I would have ever asked anybody until I got trained in mental health first aid. And now I'm an instructor for the teen, the youth and the adult version because it has been so impactful on the information that I've received, just knowing that I can provide that training and those resources and those skills to everyday people, like all of us. It doesn't have to be somebody, a therapist or, you know, like it doesn't have to be somebody in the mental health space. It can be everyday people like you and I that know these terms, that know the signs, that know the symptoms, right? How we have these hard conversations. And it is really important everything that I do now is challenging people to have these conversations, myself included. I'm not perfect by any means. And it is really, really hard with the people that we're closest to because I, I don't want to know the answer. Like that sounds really harsh too, but since I've already had a family member die by suicide, of course I want to know the answer, but like in my mind, I don't want to know the answer mm -hmm. because that could mean that I'm going to lose another family member. And I know my my trauma is that I had there were two traumas that I had actually locked together. I my sister when she died by suicide and then my son actually had seizures and he had his second episode on the day of my sister's celebration of life. So for me, I had actually paired two traumas together and that was ultimately what was locking me in fear. Fear of losing anybody else in my life. Fear of everything, really. And I was pushing everybody away, including my own son. And when I was able to really do some processes, like I said earlier, uh, I that's when I first found NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And I did a couple processes. The first process was the day you were born, which I went back and I actually was able to forgive my sister and forgive myself, which is mm -hmm. something that I never knew I needed to do. 
And then that really started this whole process. I was like, wow, if one process could do that, what else can it do? So I took a two day seminar and ultimately got on the hot seat, which was scary. Like that was my first stepping out into the world of like acknowledging that I had something going on that needed to change. And I was able to go back to the first episode of my son's seizures and change it and ultimately pull myself out of it because I was so associated in those feelings that that was where the fear was living. So I ultimately disassociated myself and transformed that fear into curiosity, which I love how Allison said is that she goes into everything with curiosity because that wasn't mm -hmm. something that I was doing. And I, I talk about that point in my life, like it was almost borderline child abuse with my son because I would go from zero to red in 2.5 seconds, but I didn't have any control over that because I was living in fear and it was something I didn't even know that was happening. And so once I was able to really transform that fear into curiosity, man, my life literally changed in an instant. And it was amazing how quick it changed. And that's where I was like, if this can help me, it can absolutely help other people. And I wanted to just circle back a little bit so that's like where my journey began, began. but uh, you guys had mentioned something about like suicidal thoughts. I want everyone to know it's actually normal for us to have those thoughts, even everyday people. If you've ever had that thought, man, I just wanna fall asleep and not wake up tomorrow. That's pretty common. Also the driving down the road and saying, well, if I just drove my car off this cliff or off the side of the road, everything would get better. We have those thoughts, they're actually pretty normal. And so don't think like the words that I said earlier are crazy, like you're not crazy, you're, you're normal in whatever sense normal is. I don't know if there is an actual normal, but we all have yeah. these thoughts, right? Like we're all normal in our own ways and we have our own journey. And I love sharing my story because hopefully it can help anybody else that's out there you're not alone and we all go through ups and downs and roller coasters and the journey is going to be different for everybody but it's really cool to know that you have people that you can reach out to and talk to and knowing that you're not alone and that there are people out there that can support you and want to listen without judgment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a very, very true statement, and thank you. And I know that, that that resonates with everybody. And I want to hold both of you and thank you for being able to discuss something that's very difficult and being able to normalize it and say, you know, we all have these parts of ourselves that hold trauma. And we may not know it. And this is where we need to reach out to an IFS professional like Allison, or to mental health and suicide prevention like Kelly, or anybody else that will listen, so that we can get that pain understood and felt. It's also important that we are talking to other people in our lives, because it's hard when you never know what's going on in somebody's life. And so, I love that we are now changing the conversations 
and we are changing them to we need to discuss we need to be open we need to be feeling and we need to help each other so i want to thank both of you for bringing those conversations to life and allowing us to acknowledge that those need to happen because I know that's very difficult for both of you and you both do it on a regular basis and that is something to be for me to hold in honor of you guys mm-hmm. so again if you know anybody if you need help you can dial 988 or text 988 which is the National Suicide Prevention Line please reach out to a mental health professional, whether it is IFS, it is your doctor who can get you attached to someone, or if it's someone like BCC Evolution with Kelly, please reach out, talk, and get the help that you need. Thank you both so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Tammy. It's nice to meet you, Kelly. I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Tammy. And it was wonderful to meet you, Allison, also. Thank you. Bye.